Slash Report. I'm Prue, and as ever, I am joined by my co-conspirator and faithful companion, MK. What up, bro? Now I feel like I'm your dog. You are. Woof. Oh. It's a tragedy. No, you're more like, oh, see, I don't think that I'm Xena. I was going to say you're like Gabrielle, but I'm not, like, my breasts are not very dangerous. I don't know. Your breasts could be dangerous. You just have to put some, like, plating on top of them. But, I mean, let's let's review my long history of injury, like self-injury, just doing <laughs> completely non-dangerous things. Okay, but wait, wait. Have you seen, there's an episode of Xena that takes place in, like, the 30s or the 20s or something on an archaeological dig? Oh my god, no. How have I not seen that? It's amazing. So everyone is reincarnated as these other people, right? But it means that, like, Xena's body, uh, sorry, Xena's mind is not necessarily inside, like, the body of Lucy Lawless. Right. And so for the whole episode, you're, like, waiting for it, waiting for it, whatever. And you think that, like, Lucy Lawless is going to be like, oh, my God, I'm Xena. But no, it's the girl who plays Gabrielle. Yes. And the girl who plays Xena is, like, all clumsy and, like, falling down all the time. Oh. See, you don't know. I loved those guys. Yeah, it's pretty great. I was a femme, like, I didn't even know what Slash was when I was watching that show, and I, like, wanted them to get married and have babies, and I didn't, like, I don't think that my brain fully processed that was the desire, but, like... Oh, my brain fully processed it. I was like, I want them to, like, be happy together forever. What's with all these stupid dudes? No, definitely. Like, I never wanted any of their romantic attachments to be on that show. I was like, oh, go away! Nobody cares! Like, everybody just wants Xena and Gabrielle to have, like, awesome adventures, right? Right! But I- no, I, I was on, like, a Xena mailing list. I was on two Xena mailing lists. Nice. One was Gabrielle Joxer, and one was Xena Gabrielle. Gabrielle Joxer? I know. In hindsight, I'm like, what were you thinking? Yeah. In current sight, what were you thinking? Well, you know, young me. I wasn't really sure about Slash yet. I was confused. and It's true. I love how we just completely fucking incapable of staying on topic. Guys, this is not actually the Xena episode, although we should do one of those, because both of us clearly love us some fucking Xena and Hercules, right? Uh, obviously. <laughs> what, we sh- what we are actually here to talk about is one of the more, I would have to say, one of the more interesting listener involvement episodes we've ever tried to put together. Like... Uh, (laughs) that's diplomatic oh we're doing this is our fandom confessional episode and honestly like when i initially sent out those tweets and set up form spring and a gracious person set up the anonymous email account for us like i really did not think that many people would send in stuff and i am sort of surprised yeah we have 38 that we're gonna try and cover in this episode and we got other messages about other things that just weren't really confessions yeah Exactly. So, like, you guys apparently have, like, a lot of boiling dark secrets, like, in your gut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if we should say boiling dark. Some of these, I'm like, dude, everyone. Like, yeah, literally that, everyone. Some of these, you're not going to feel very alone. And some of these are kind of interesting. And we'll we'll see what, where it takes us. Um, and uh, do we want to get started? Do you want to go first, MK? We're going to alternate back and forth reading through them. Yeah. Alright, I'll go to the first one. So our first message is, I'm pretty active in comic book fandoms, mainly the DC universe. I discuss plot arcs, character developments, and the good and bad writers with other fan. I'm known as a comics expert at my office, but confession, I've never read a comic book in my life. All my comics knowledge comes from Wikipedia and reading what other fans have written. Sometimes I feel like such a poser. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, first of all, I don't think it's that bad if you've never read a comic book and you're in the fandom, but like at the point where you're considered an expert on the subject, that's when it gets kind of awkward. Yeah. I mean, 
I think a lot of people are in a fandom where they're like, oh, the source material, like what the, like Dresden Files? I'm sorry. I think I made it like 20 minutes into an audiobook before I wanted to throw my iPad at the wall. <laughs> but I love that fandom. That fandom is great. Yeah, but, but that's different than being considered like your local go-to expert on yeah, the comic um, book universe. Let's just say that like that's some impressive research skill that you have there. Indeed, my friend. You could be a point woman or a point man in the Inception universe. You totally could. You totally could. You should wear slick back hair and a waistcoat and just be awesome. And then you could have sex with Eames. Or someone like Eames. Hopefully Eames. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. You can do the next one. Let's get ahead strong for that. Okay, Um. second one. I've been in fandom for a really long time, and The West Wing was always one of those shows that people talked about, but that I'd never gotten around to watching. After marathoning the first season, I was in love, and finally understood all the awesome things my friends had always said about it. But there was one problem. I hated Josh Lyman. Hated so much hate. This opinion is tantamount to blasphemy, apparently, so I never said anything. To this day, my feelings have not changed. It will forever be my secret shame. I'm sorry, bro. It's true. This is forever going to be your secret shame. Oh, is it? Is that big a deal? Well, I'm. it's hard to... So, I'm not in West Wing fandom. Like, I've only ever uh, been on the fringes of awareness of that fandom, right? Like, I've read stories from it. So, and that is a fandom that really was not, as far as I know, right? Like, write in and correct me if this is incorrect. That fandom is not hugely community-based, right? Like, it Mm -hmm. was very, it was, like, an early internet fandom where people wrote really good stories, but they kind of, like, went onto an archive, and that was, like, about it. I don't know that there was, like, a lot of, I'm sure that there were, like, ship wars on mailing lists and shit like that, but I wasn't aware of it. But, like, Josh is very much, hmm, let's, let's put it this way. So the two, for at least the first four seasons of West Wing, um, or first three, really, um, the two prevailing characters on that show that kind of represent the heart and the head of American politics, like Sam Seaborn is like the heart, right? Like he is all heart. He believes in the American dream. Like he's all like apple pie mamas and like gleaming white floss teeth. Um, And Josh Lyman is the guy who still believes, but very much gets shit done. And disliking Josh is really tough because he is like the lead character of that show. Like it's technically about the West Wing. It's about the presidency, but it's about the staff and Josh Lyman is like deputy chief of staff. So like, if you don't like him, it's kind of rough. (laughs) You know what? I would imagine that that fandom is a little bit rough because you know, like everything is about (laughs) Josh and Donna. So when I broke my elbow, I my sister-in-law brought me upstairs a bunch of DVDs of Buffy and Angel. And she was like, you're stoned. Now is the time. Like, watch these. I hate Buffy and I hate Angel. I love everyone else. And I read a bunch of Angel fic after that. And then I was like, I can't. I can't do this. I literally hate the main characters. You're fine. Like, wait, what horror lies are you speaking, Miss Teacup Kitten reader? Teacup Kitten's great, but that's not really Angel. It's like, you know, like a... It's the greatest hit fic of all time. It's the way that you sometimes read stuff I send you and you're like, I'm reading this as a Ridge fic, I hope you know. Like, that's the way I read it. That's true. That's the way I technically read Teacup Kitten. When I read that story, I had not even seen Wesley yet. I didn't know what he looked like. He was, he looked handsome. That's how Wesley looked. Yeah, no, he definitely did. I love Wesley. I love him to pieces. But I basically hate Buffy, hate Angel. I think in conclusion, a non-number two, you're fine. Like, that's totally okay. I think that you're just doomed to be trapped in a fandom where, like, everybody else loves this guy and no one understands what a dick he is the way you do. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let's move on to a non-number three. 
Right. I feel like this is a dating show. It's like behind door number three. Yeah. Welcome, Anons. Um, <laughs> number three says, Ugh, I don't like or ship Clint, Natasha, or Scarlett Jeremy. Woman has a boyfriend and is happy. Come on. I don't want to block it in case someone sees something shippy in it, but I don't. I don't really get the... I don't really think that that's, like, a bad thing. No. I mean, you don't have to enjoy it, but, you know, if it bothers you, just put it on your blacklist. Yeah, just, you know, scroll. Scroll forever. And the next the next seeker kind of falls into the exact same category, which is, I don't like the Hunger Games. I don't see what everyone finds so great about it. I was bored and could not care less if Katniss died in the book. Which, okay, that's cool. You're wrong. You're completely wrong. But, <laughs> yeah, to be completely honest, I've never read the books because, well, I've, I've read part of the book. So someone, I, like, saw the beginning of one of the books before and, like, just the writing style was, like, not going to work for me. Uh-huh. So I was like, whatever. But the I, the concept sounded really cool, so I just waited for the movie, and I love that movie so much. And if the story, so I love the story of the Hunger Games, not so much the book. See, but yeah, I also I had the same problem with the books. Like I just I can't read them. They they bother me on some level. I waited. I saw the movie, and I was like, that was an okay movie. I have like no feelings about it. Oh, I it was so funny. Um, I went to see that movie with my friend, and like 10 minutes into the movie I feel this like hand on my shoulder and I turn around and she's like looking at me with this look of absolute concern on her face being like are you okay do we need to leave it's because I've been (laughs) sobbing for like the entire opening part of that fucking movie where she's like I volunteer it's just like the minute she said that I was gone it was bad I like cried for like the first 30 minutes of that movie that is I was sitting there with like zero feelings I was like man this is how I felt when I watched X-Men first class like it's it's like a vacuum of feelings yeah no I took all of your feelings and somehow my eye makeup survived so wow yeah I was super impressed good job (laughs) yeah all right Anon number five I'm embarrassed that I didn't find the first book in the mortal instruments that bad it was bad, but I was entertained as well. Kind of like bad fic. I'm not a fan of CC, but I do want to read the rest of the series. Explanatory note, guys, that's Cassandra Clare, and Mortal Instruments is her actual YA novel series. I haven't read them, so I can't really comment. I've never heard of this series. Um, it's apparently kind of a big deal, but I also, like, it's YA fantasy-ish, I think, which is, like, the one corner of YA I don't actually read. Right, because you don't like fantasy. You know what, though? I read a bunch of YA, good and bad, and I'm like, this YA I read like bad fic, and this YA I read and I want to, like, hold it to my chest forever. So I don't think you're alone, Anon. Yeah, I think you're fine. Although I I think life is going to get a little rougher for people who don't necessarily like that series because the movie is coming out eventually. Like, they're they're casting for it or something, so it's going to be everywhere. If they're going to cast all these YA books, why haven't they not made the first two books of the Harper Hall trilogy. Like, we have the technology. Let's do this. You should start a letter-writing campaign, MK. Uh, there probably has been one for a long time. It's just that <laughs> it's probably amped up now that Anne McCaffrey is dead. Yeah. Freedom! <laughs> Sorry, Anne McCaffrey. Anyways, I wish I could be better at multi-shipping. When it comes to my OTPs, I cannot handle reading another pairing involving them, even if they're not the primary couple of the story. Uh, I'm not sure about the second half of that. I don't know that I'm understanding it correctly. Sorry, you know, like when you find a story on the AO3 and it's like the main couple, let's say, is like Scott Allison. It's like a Scott Allison story with Derek Styles in the background. Mm-hmm. I can't read those either. I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I have no, I can't handle that much Scott and Allison. Like, I can't suffer through it to get to the Derek Styles. I see. Well, I'm 
I can handle that part. Like if, if the other pairing interests me, but it may not. Uh, but I cannot handle my OTP being in other relationships, like at all. Oh, like maybe if that's what dating you other people or with other people in the story, it better be to set up that they eventually get with the right person in the series. Yes. Okay. Agreed. I think maybe that's what she actually meant. And I'm just dumb today, but I don't know if it's possible. It's possible. But yeah, it's, I only want it if it's like bad fic and the dude that they're dating is super evil and is going to go down hard. Yeah. I'm really, I realize this because I always was sort of like, whatever, I'm, I like everything. And it's true. I'm very like, I'm very Catholic about my reading, but it turns out that I'm not Catholic at all about my pairings. So like if I'm in a fandom and I have a pairing, like I cannot seem to read outside of that pairing and enjoy it. Like that's not, that's a really huge generalization. And there have obviously been stories that kind of break that mold, but 99% of the time, like, if it's not the pairing that I'm into in that fandom, like, I cannot. Like, it's just not going to happen for me. That's fair enough. Mm. That's why they call them OTPs, even if you have 12 at the same time. <laughs> All right, number seven. Sometimes I'm afraid that if I fangirl too hard on the internet, the actors will know. And, like, if I ever meet them in person, they'll know I've written filthy porn about their characters and think I'm creepy. Just I keep think, it tucked. I think, that the inter- I think that the actors do know increasingly I think actors do know yeah I can't speak for whether or not they'll find it creepy though because I think that different people have different approaches toward it right like if you are in supernatural fandom god help you like I'm so sorry we're in this boat together uh then we know that all of the actors not only know about their creepy fetish like smut piles that we've created over the years (laughs) That they, like, are completely undisturbed by them. They just have figured out that the most fun they can have in any one-hour period is just trolling the fuck out of fandom. And then Nisha Collins came along and just, like, trolled extra hard to be, like, Lord King high troll of all trolls. So, like, I don't know. I think some people might find it disturbing, but I think a lot of people are probably like, that's pretty awesome that people are into me enough that they want to think about my sex life constantly. I will say caveat, just don't use your fanish name if you ever meet an actor at a like a convention or anything. Don't don't talk about your fanish life. Don't bring it up. Just be like, hey, I think you're a really great actor. I really like you in this role. Fandom is like fight club. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. First rule of fandom, don't talk about it. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, number eight. This is going to be interesting, okay, for both of us. Mm-hmm. So over people using the phrases top or bottom in fix and reading uke or seme makes me close out immediately. Come on, guys. This is neither a bad hentai or terrible 70s porno where there are Tom Selleck mustaches. Number one, Tom Selleck is fucking badass. Yes, he is. He was Magnum P.I. I'm sorry. We just have to leave it at, like... Tom Selleck, move him aside. He's great. Yes. But I think, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right, but you and I are both like, yeah, top and bottom. Uh, no. No? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really Why don't care. Why are getting this? This is the thing you get mad at me about. I think it's the spirit bond. I, like, want you to be on my side. I'm sorry. I'm, like, I'm only on your side intermittently. Because for you, okay, as far as I understand your particular thing, that in any pairing, there is a designated top and a designated bottom. And if the story strays from whatever configuration you like, I'm out. You're out. I can be persuaded in like, in short, as in all things in life, I'm easy. And um, (laughs) there are only like some pairings where I'm like, I don't really see you guys ever switching. Not because one way just doesn't, one way is like not hot for me or whatever. Like I can go with it, but it just doesn't seem true to the characters in my head for whatever reason. So like, 
a pairing that I never can see switching is Merlin Arthur. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's just, maybe that's just me, but like in my head, I'm like, no, come on, for reals, come on. I've talked about this before because they're like my go-to example. Merlin's of, a big slut. He wants it up the ass. Give it to him. It's how he rolls. It's what he likes. Don't deny him what he likes. And then there are other pairings where I'm just like, okay, whatever. It could go either way. And John Rodney from SGA is like one of those pairings. That's my just, exception pairing. Huh? That's my exception pairing. That's the pairing that I was like, sure. Most of the time I want John on top, but I would read John on the bottom. I just, like, have no opinion on it. Although, I'm curious, like, perhaps a non-number eight actually means you don't like the terminology versus the actual setup. Oh. Okay, Seme, I think, is, like, I mean, that's very that's very specific to Yaoi fandom, though. So yeah. I don't necessarily know that you're going to lose those words. And I find that Japanese fandoms in general are written quite differently than Western fandoms. So you just have to, like, get used to it and go with it. Yeah, it's true. It's like sort of a, a... It's like specialized lingo over there. Yeah, definitely. Although top and bottom, I feel... If someone in a story was like, well, I only top or like I only bottom, if they said those words, I'd be like, well, this is kind of awkward, but like, I'll keep going. I don't know. I think that that's like a... I think that the phrasing, I would have to say, is very case by case to me. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that, like, in reality, that is a conversation that people who are about to bump uglies actually have, right? Like... Where you're like, you see someone, you're about to fuck them, and if there's anything that you need to clarify up front, like, that conversation is almost never, like, super hilariously, like, suave the way that it is in fandom, right? (laughs) But, so, I can completely see that happening in reality. But, again, like, case-by-case basis. Like, if you were, if it's, if it's, like, an epithet situation where, like, the top manhandled the bottom, I'm like, no. Oh, no, fail out instantly. Like, that's, no. That's that's bad. X, double X minus, so. If anyone has not, just don't, epithets, they're bad, don't do it. Yeah, it's, it's to be, unless you are translating epic poetry. Yeah. The epithet that you were using at the moment is gray-eyed Athena, avoid that. (laughs) (laughs) What? Or rosy-fingered Dawn, both acceptable. Just, like, don't know the other ones. I hate you. Let's let's move on. What? Like, no one else has memorized their translation of the Odyssey. Guys, we were in chat the other day, like a bunch of us, and <laughs> Marilyn quoted some Shakespeare, and everyone made fun of her except for me, and I was like, no, I'm totally with you on this. Let's, like, quote some Shakespeare up in here, and Prue was making fun of us super hard. Because I, I, say, I didn't memorize Hamlet. Hamlet is the best. It is the best of his plays. No, that's, that's, your mouth is going to fall off any minute now from the horrible lies that you're spouting. Clearly Shakespeare is too controversial a topic for us to discuss on our podcast. I know, we're going to get to fisticuffs. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on, but I just want to say, tables have turned. Look who's like a Greek nerd now. Uh, that's not even nerdiness, that's just culture. Oh my god, we have to move on. <laughs> we are 20 okay. minutes in and we have to move on. Shut up. Okay. Number nine. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked about this one. Okay. Just saying. By every definition you guys have used to describe the trope, you and MK are soul bonded. Every time you guys talk about it, it's like watching Dylan and Tyler being on a ship, pun intended. I'm Dylan. Fuck you. Tyler. He's so hairy. <laughs> it's true. More hairier than me. Yeah. Well, you're Asian. What do you want? I come from, like, a line of hairy Scottish people. I also 
also wax assiduously. Oh, that's bitchin'. If we are soul bonded, what does that mean? Um, Do I get any benefits from this? Like, are you going to pawn far at some point that I'm going to deal with? Or I doubt that I would pawn far. I mean, it's me. That's true. And if I did, I'd probably just, like, buy some sex toys and stay home for a week. I'd be like, I'm taking vacation. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's your bonded doing? I was like, I don't fucking know, but my checking account's hurting. My checking account is hurting. You're like, mm. I don't you know. how much? <laughs> Shh, just, just go with it. Just let it happen. <laughs> I'm okay with being soul bonded to you, MK. I don't know. Do I get, like, are you actually going to come over and cook for me and stuff? I do that fucking anyways. I guess. You remember the last time I was in Canada? <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't happen often enough for me. I know. I keep but trying to, like, like... There's also that hilarious running joke, right? Where you're going to, like, be the babysitter of my eventual... <laughs> <laughs> I get sick of him and just, like, need to dump him in your apartment for boy time so you guys can play Zelda. Yeah. go outside and get drunk and flirt with other men. Stuff like that. You're going to be out, like, with a bunch of ladies in a club, like, doing... I don't know what ladies do. Like, lady stuff. (laughs) I don't understand how, like, normal ladies work. And I will be, like, in my pajamas with your husband, eating only ice cream and pizza and just, like, playing video games and watching sci-fi for 48 hours. A plus. This is this is a this is a match made in heaven. Yeah. So if we are soul bonded, it's gonna work out real well for your eventual mate. <laughs> Why do you have to keep calling? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're on a ship. We're not on a ship, MK. We're not on a ship. I don't like ships. I'm not a boat person. Oh, I learned how to drive a boat when I was like five. Yeah. Well, that's your family and all of their specialness. Number ten. Number 10. This one's going to be interesting, too. And non number 10 says, I don't like it when people reuse my work in fan fiction, graphics, fan art, etc., especially without my permission. But I feel like I can't complain. We're all doing those things to the original content, uh, i.e. the book, movie, show. I wish I was like Prue and didn't care. I think this one's interesting because I think that a non like whoever sent this in, you should consider why it bothers you. Oh, yeah, it's a good point because I was going to be like, deal with it, bro. Yeah, because I I think that, like, to me, I I really struggle to understand the point of view where it's like, this bothers me, because even, okay, it it would bother me if someone did it without my permission, not because they didn't get my permission, but because I, like, genuinely don't know about it, and I, it's not that, I just want to go look at it, right? Like, if someone has made fanfic, like, made fanfic of my fanfic, or, like, done a graphic, or anything, I want to go look at it. I may not be the biggest fan of it, like, because everyone has a different interpretation and people are going to bring different skill levels or whatever, but I, it's so flattering to know that you're interested enough or there was something interesting enough in whatever I created that people want to build off of it. So I think that what would be good is maybe consider what about it bothers you. Is it that you don't know about it? Is it that you're not getting enough credit or what? Because I... I think that there are legitimate reasons you could be upset about it, especially like the without permission part. But I think overall it's a fairly positive thing. And um, yeah, I think that you should be, I think that you could end up enjoying it because hi, so many people probably listening to this podcast right now are thinking, God, I wish that was a problem I had, right? Like I wish people liked my stuff enough that they would reuse my work in something else that they were doing. So like, Look at it from that perspective. Like, everyone likes your stuff enough that they want to be involved in it. That's pretty badass. That's going to relate to some future questions we have coming up, guys. Definitely. (laughs) This shit's going to get real. Yep. 
Go for it. I love Podfic dearly, but there's one reader's voice I can't stand. It makes me sad because she records in a lot of my favorite fandoms. And I download her Podfix hoping I've gotten over it, but every single time I can't bear to listen to her. That's actually just kind of sad. <laughs> it is kind of sad. Yeah. I... I can't think of any podfickers that I haven't liked the voice of because, you know, it's just like a different flavor for that story. I, yes, it's not the voice that ever gets to me. It is... Reading uh, choices? Pardon? Like reading choices? Reading choices and also... I have this weird thing where I think a lot of people read too slowly. Oh, see, that's really weird because I find some people read too fast. I think no one ever reads too fast. I think that basically no one reads quickly enough. Like... I would be happy if everyone read a little faster. It's it's not something that actually takes away too much from my enjoyment for, like, all podfic. But I generally think that people read a little too slowly. But I also understand that that's because if you read a little more slowly, it's more understandable. Um, and I rarely have the first time I experience a fanfic be in podfic form. So, like, if the first time I'd ever heard a story was in podfic form, I would definitely want it to be slower so I could actually know what was happening. But ah. it's like a fanfic I've already read and really liked, and I just want it to go faster because I sort of like already know what's happening, but I want to hear it performed, if that makes any sense. See, that's interesting because the time that I was at like my peak podfic downloading, I didn't yeah. have any like good mobile devices at the time for reading fic while I was out in public. So podfic, I would just like download every SJ podfic that came out, stick it on my iPad or my, yeah. sorry, my iPhone, and I would just like listen to it in the subway and it would literally be the first time I'd heard something. Huh. Okay. Well, go you. I'm still, I still, as much as I love Podfic, I still like reading it first, first. All right. Well, why don't you do the next one? Cause this is related. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, Anon number 12 writes in, I listen to a lot of Podfic and prefer it over written fics, but there are several that have been created in one of my favorite fandoms that I just can't because I know they'll trigger my mental health issues. It kills me because the readers are some of my favorites, and I want to tell them how impressed I am that they tackled these long, emotionally taxing podfics, and I'm sure they did a great job, but I can't bear to listen to them. Dude, I think that's totally, you're totally fine. I think that even if you don't listen to them and you write them a message being like, I'm really impressed that you did this, especially since this is a super, like you said, emotionally taxing subject, I think that they would like getting that as well. You think so? Yeah, but, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I feel bad if I can't read a fic because I look at the tags and I'm like, whoa, that triggers my issues hard. But, I mean, that's just a risk you run in fandom, right? There's some stuff you're just not going to be able to read or listen to or look at or whatever. Right, but the, the, the subject being, if you feel bad about not being able to give people kudos for putting major effort into something because you feel like you wouldn't be able to handle it, I think that it's not wrong to say, like, hi, I think it's really impressive that you did this project. I don't know that I will be able to really listen to it because I have XYZ issues, but I wanted to say that I think it's really cool that you put this together. Oh, um, I think that that's totally legit, if that's something that's bothering you. Otherwise, I feel like no one's actually going to be upset with you if you just, like, you know what, that's cool, I'm going to stay away from my own health. See, that's really, if I got that kind of message, on, if I'd, like recorded a really long podfic and I got that message, I would probably actually be a little bit offended. Really? Yeah, it's more like a, uh, you know, like when you got, like, sometimes you get messages and they're like, oh, I really want to read your story, but you did this thing and I can see it in the summary and so I won't read it. Yes. It feels more accusatory to me, so I wouldn't send that message. Okay, well, I guess I'm dead inside because I get so much rude email on a daily basis. <laughs> or we just have very different opinions. <laughs> No, I just get so much rude email on a daily basis that this really wouldn't bother me. But maybe MK is right. 
maybe you should just, like, appreciate from a distance. Yeah. Just comment on their other stuff extra hard. Yeah. All right, so number 13. I think Fraser Ray K slash ruined me for life. They're not just my type anymore. I think they're my archetype for shipping. I go into a new fandom and see shadows of them everywhere. It's like the sweetest haunting ever. I was reading this, um, The Secret, because this is... We went through and we truncated some of them, right? Because people wrote us, like, really long ones, and we've condensed some. Yeah, and this one's definitely truncated. Just to Yeah, this one's truncated. And the original secret was also sort of about, like, the dark hair and the light hair. And I just want to be like, you are so not alone in this. That's, like, classic archetypal porn pairing, like, gay porn pairing, too. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely, like, an opposites are attractive thing. You're completely fine. <laughs> yeah, people do that all over the place. And it just, even though I know you said Fraser and Ray K weren't your first pairing or your first fandom or whatever, it's the one that hits you hardest. So, yep. I mean, I'm basically, come on, Sailor Moon, it's like one person failing upwards and one who's kind of capable. I'm still reading that ter- like pairing type. You re- like, I realized the other day that I think the reason I didn't like Sailor Moon was because I was always like, why the fuck is she the main character? She's the least confident person on that entire goddamn team. Obviously, my favorite character was Rey, Sailor Mars. Oh my god, I hated Rey, and I super over-identified with Usagi, because I was like, oh my god, I'm getting 30s, like 30% on my math test, and falling down. I'm just, like, covered in cuts and bruises every day. You realize that, like, in real life, I am Rey. I know, I don't... And, okay, at the time when I was watching this... I've never been... (laughs) But, like, in the show, they're best friends. And when I was a kid watching it, I was like, how are these two best friends? Because Ray's such a bitch. And now I'm like, (laughs) every best friend I've ever had and, like, still have is basically Ray. (laughs) (laughs) It all makes sense now. Makes sense. It totally makes sense. You need complementary skill sets. You do. That's how we're going to survive the zompocalypse. It's true. Uh, Okay. Um, number 14, which goes along with the Ray K. Frazier thing. I heard such wonderful things about Due South. So when I saw the entire series on sale, I bought it. It's completely unseen. I tried really hard, guys. I was so bored. I read two Due South fics that didn't make me want to claw my eyes out, but I just can't do the show. Okay, here's the thing about Due South. Because I've introduced it to a bunch of my friends, like, it, it's almost 20 years after the fact or something now, right? Like, it's ridiculous how old it is, don't start with the first episode. You have to, like, get someone who knows you to show you, like, three or four episodes that they know you're going to love. And they have to decide ahead of time before you watch this whether or not you're going to prefer Ray Vecchio or Ray Kowalski. That's true. I prefer Ray Vecchio. I'm in the minority. Oh, my gosh. We cannot. No. We can be on the forebear. Like, we'll, we're not going to get involved in the Ray Wars. But I liked both of them. You um, swung I, both Rays? I like both Rays. But I never really, like, I read the fanfic for that pairing. For that show, rather. Mm-hmm. But I was never, like, I never really had an OCP on that series. Like, obviously, you default to an OCP on that series. But I wasn't really super slashy about them. Like, I actually watched the show when it aired in the U.S., yeah, I watched it live, like, in Canada. I don't think I watched it live, because I don't think it aired live in the U.S. But, mm. like, I watched Do South on television with my mom when I was growing up. And I wasn't aware that there was a fandom around it until I was in college. My and brother was- had to write an episode of it for his, like, university degree. A+. plus, Nice. It was a big thing in our house. Like, everyone watched Do South. Everyone. Yeah, so I didn't, like, I did not know it was a huge thing. I knew that it was, like, kind of a quirky show that it did moderately well in the U.S., and... It did really well, like, in Europe and abroad. 
It's super charming. It's an enti- it's like a deeply charming show, but that is also a show that went weirdly downhill toward the end. Totally. Where it became sort of a ludicrous caricature of itself, right? Like, because, okay, this is going to go into my Dude South feels time, but um, the, the first two, ep- two seasons of that show were really lovely because it was very much culture clash and sort of like whimsy- whimsical charm, but like... Frazier did not spend all of his time in his ridiculous red uniform and he had a life and he didn't live inside the office. And then like, as the series progressed more and more, he just became sort of this cardboard cutout of what a Mouncey was. And you lost some of the initial like charm and sass and vulnerability of that character. Okay. Thank you. Wait, hold on. This is my problem. Okay. People always yell at me for this and I'm probably going to get like hate mail in relation to this episode for this, but I just have to get it out there. Okay. The reason I like Ray Vecchio better than Ray Kowalski is because for the first two seasons, you really see the two characters, like, become dependent on each other, and they, like, express more of them. So they, like, show their vulnerabilities to each other, right? Like, yeah, they come, you watch them become friends, and you understand why they care about each other. Exactly. Even if you don't ship them, you can see, like, the strength of this relationship as it builds based on trust through two seasons. Yeah. And when season three starts... The first thing, like, once Fraser has figured out, like, that Ray Vecchio is still alive and Ray Kowalski is just, like, subbing for him, basically. That's a terrible turn of phrase. Substituting for him. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, God. That would be just, no. Um, nope. No. <laughs> Don't do it, please. He becomes a character of himself on purpose to, like, test him. And when you see it at first, you're like, it's hard but he keeps it up. He keeps it up. He never stops. And so despite them being great partners and having amazing chemistry, and I'm sure a lot of you are like, Ray Kowalski is so hot, there's no trust there for me to build this relationship on, and I just can't buy it. Interesting. I hadn't considered that before. Because I remember I remember that episode, which was a great episode for amazing. the actor who plays Ray Kowalski, because that's actually like a really good episode for you. He does a great job. But you're right that he, like, pulls the Mountie sort of caricature on and, like, he just keeps it up and it gets deeper and deeper as the seasons go on. Like, I almost feel like that's the point where he starts going crazy. Like, if Due South were a darker show, (laughs) he would be going slowly mad. And, like, it just, it upsets me on the inside. I can't do it. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, but for the Anon who wrote in about Do South, um, you said that you've read two Do South picks that don't make you want to claw your eyes out. If one of them is not Chicago's Most Wanted by Sesperanza, you should definitely read Chicago's Most Wanted by Sesperanza, which is still a story that I want made into a movie. And the entire premise is that <laughs> Frazier gets a head injury and convinces himself he's a criminal. Oh, my God. And, of course, he's the world's most competent criminal of all Obviously. Time. The most polite and hyper-competent criminal of all time. And Ray, this is a Ray K story, keeps trying to, like, arrest him without hurting him and convincing him he's a Mountie. <laughs> fucking ridiculous to him. It's beautiful. Everyone should check it out if you haven't read it before. Um, it's such... So choice. Love it with every fiber of my being. Also, Anon, despite the fact that I much prefer the first two seasons, if you want to give Due South one more shot, since I know that Ray Kowalski is so much more popular, maybe well, he's try... Fun. He's fun. He's really fun. 
there's a two-part episode in it's either the third or fourth season where Frey and uh, Fraser have to go undercover on a boat. Yes. And you should absolutely find the boat episodes. I can't remember the Mount on the Bounty, right? Yeah, Mount on the Bounty, and there's another I don't one. I can't remember this because I'm really bad with episode titles. But just suffice to say, watch those two episodes because they're amazing and they are the reason that in my family, Canadian Folk Music Attack Day is a thing. Yeah. Also, they they have an underwater kiss. They do. They totally have an underwater kiss. It's, you know, really good for the shippers. Yeah. If you want to give it a chance, go for it. But if you don't, I completely understand why that might have been hard to get into. Yeah. And it, I mean, come on, that was like 1992, 1993 or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It may not have aged well. It's kind um, of like when you try to rewatch The Sentinel. It didn't age well. All right, MK? All right, number 15. I still haven't read book seven of Harry Potter, even though Harry Potter is my one true fandom that I always go back to. I'm not planning on reading it either. I don't own a single book or movie from the franchise. I'm curious, does that mean, a non-number 15, that you never read the other books? Or that you just read them at the library and like never bought any of the movies which is totally cool also it sounds to me like she read the first six from like the library or a friend or something yeah well i mean i don't really know what to say about this other than uh let me tell you my story and maybe you'll feel better but my mom was a huge Potterhead, right? Like, she's just, like, the biggest Harry Potter fan. It was precious. It was, like, the thing that we would do together. So we would go to the midnight per Like, I would reserve her copy or our copy of the book uh, months in advance. And, like, we would go to the borders somewhere in Cary, North Carolina, and, like, buy, like, the copy at midnight. And the rule was I had to be done by 7 in the morning because she would take it from me. <laughs> So I would, like, stay up all night, like, reading these fucking books, and then I would, like, groggily hand it over to her at, like, 7 a.m. the next morning and just, like, go back to bed for, like, 10 hours. And she could take her sweet fucking time with it, but whatever. I, I guess it was fair since she was paying for them, right? But when book five came out, same thing happened, except in that case, I don't think we managed to, I think the bookstore like either ran out or something happened. So I had to borrow it from a friend and which meant that I had an even shorter time frame for reading it. So I got it home on Friday and then I sat there in my bedroom, like my pink princess bedroom with my white princess furniture and like read this magnificently heavy book. For I don't know how many hours, just like blew through it speed reading with all the prowess and ability that I never cultivated again in college to read <laughs> sort of tomes, right? And I get to the end, and I remember I closed that book, and I screamed in rage and threw it across my bedroom <laughs> to the point where there was a dent on my wall. Oh my god. In the morning, and I like hurled this thing, like hurled this brick across the room, like dented my wall, like freaked the fuck out of my parents who thought something had happened to me. Something did happen to you. It happened to me. That book sucked. It made no sense. Like, why did he have to die? She killed him with a fucking curtain. I have never picked up another Harry Potter book. I have not read six. I have not read seven. I have not watched any of the movies after three because the third movie was the last one that was out when that book came out. And it's totally reasonable. I... I broke up with it like a crazy girl. Like, I threw all of Harry Potter shit onto the lawn and set it on fire. Like, I refused to have those books in my room. They all transferred down to my mom's. It's a dark time. It happens. It happens to the best of us. And while I understand your pain, you know that 
I carried on. I just have my headcanon that he's still alive. Uh, as he should be. And then, oh, the greatest part about this, I would say spoilers, except this is like the fucking Bible at this point, if you don't know, like, come Yeah, on. come on, guys. Spoilers, Jesus dies. Um, spoilers, <laughs> King Kong also dies. Yeah, but uh, I had this really hilarious conversation with my friend years after the series ended, right? Uh, the book series, not the movies. And, and I was I was telling her about how angry I got at this book. And she was like, wow, that's intense. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. At least, at least in the seventh book, like, at least Remus was still alive by the end of it, right? And she looks at me and she's no. like, um... And I was like, no! Double betrayal! Of course double betrayal. That woman hates you. Extra double betrayal. Yeah, basically everyone you love dies. Everyone I loved died. Everyone I didn't care about lived and married Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, Ginny, like seriously, seriously, we have to not no, talk about this. Like, we can't even, right? Like, that, I think everyone's in agreement about that one. Uh, uh, let's let's move on. You need to read 16. Yeah, number 16. 16's a badass one, guys. <laughs> oh my god, I love it so much. I know. Anon number 16 writes in to say, I once had a real-life friend who gained some fandom fame rather suddenly. I freely admit that there was some jealousy involved too, but she became unbearable overnight. Arrogant, smug, couldn't stop talking about herself, badmouthed people for offering requested concrete, and even went so far as to cut me and her other beta out entirely when we didn't fawn over her work as much as everyone else suddenly was. The final straw came when she made insulting comments to me about my partner, jokingly, of course. I sent her an anonymous phone finger on LJ, but it didn't seem it didn't seem like enough. So I made sure to trash her and her write-on and every anonymous hate meme I could find for the next two weeks, making sure to warn her not to go near them because of the terrible, nasty things people were saying about her. Confession, because we're still friends. I never told her what I did, and I still don't feel even remotely sorry for it. I just, I back up this anon 100%. I, I can't help it. I don't. I think that that was incredibly shitty behavior. That's not to say that, like, your friend wasn't behaving in a completely shitty and terrible fashion either, but why the fuck would you choose such, like, a passive-aggressive mode of addressing this? Like, are you, you say that you're still friends. I really don't buy it. Like, I don't think I could do that to someone who I considered a friend. And if you don't want to be friends with any them anymore, like, be upfront about why. Maybe she would have realized that she was being an asshole and gotten over herself. Or I just, I'm completely baffled by this kind of behavior. Okay, so Prue is the, like, responsible, mature one. <sighs> While 50% of the time I would try to do the right thing and, like, talk to the person and be like, here are my problems, we need to talk about this. The other 50% of me is like, do it. Flame the shit out of them. And I can't help it. I have a vindictive side. Like, why would you... Okay, fine. Flame the shit out of them. Fine. Like, bad behavior breeds, breeds bad behavior. But, like, why would you stay friends with this person? Okay, well, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, that's the part that I'm like, what? Yeah. Maybe you need some new friends, Anon. I think that both of you guys could do better. And hopefully, I, I hopefully the genesis of all of this, where your friend got suddenly fandom famous and became uh, unbearable overnight, has has like dampened itself, right? Hopefully, and hopefully that's dampened itself. Although you should probably take a much more considered look at the phrase "some jealousy involves," because there was probably more than just a little. Yeah, we do have some other confessions coming up about like sudden fandom fame, so yeah. we'll get to see some interesting sides of it. <laughs> facets of it yeah (laughs) 
17, MK. Why do I get all of the, okay, like, I know I'm doing the odd ones, but, like, hilariously, all of the odd ones are the ones that are going to make me crack the fuck up. I know. So, (laughs) 17. (laughs) Does Slash Report count as a fandom? Because I admit to having some weird-ass resentment over not being able to find pictures of MK, Prue, other guest hosts on the internet to use as drawing reference. Well-meaning, but creepy. A little bit creepy. Every time you share a funny or interesting, they're definitely not mutually exclusive (laughs) story. I frown in real life because I can't make an animated adventure of it. Stick figures just aren't the same as caricatures. I actually just made myself sad because I can't draw rage tits and moonclets having Viking adventures. Oh my god. I think that you could probably draw rage tits and moonclets having Viking adventures. They just wouldn't necessarily be police sketch accurate versions of us. I think the best thing, so, I mean, we've been discussing some of these confessions in chat, like, all week, and 20-something's response to this one was my favorite, which was, uh, there is a princess maker, like, online thing that 20-something, the Hoyden and I all use to make, like, mermaid versions of ourselves, and she was like, well, I could just make, like, princess versions of you and Prue and post them as reference for her. They'd be pretty accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Do it. Let's get it done. (laughs) Good. It's about as accurate as it's going to get unless we appear at a con at some point. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we kind of live on opposite sides of an ocean the size of Canada. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's that, among other problems. Among other things. <laughs> among other things. Although I would like to go ahead and say that if you do draw us doing Viking adventures, Please I would... Please pr- send I it want- to us. Pardon? Send it to us. I want to see it. Oh, definitely send it to us. We totally want to see it. And also, I think Kay should be driving the boat. <laughs> and you should have, like, an awesome breastplate. I sh- oh, yeah, the super pointy ones. Yeah, like the ultra pointy. Yes. Rage tits. Stabbing someone with your pointy breasts. That's right. That's all I want. That's what rage tits is all about, man. There you go. Tits of rage. All right, number 18. <laughs> Whatever the opposite of, ex- this is also super cut down, Anon, sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. Whatever the opposite of extremely excited is, is what I'm feeling about elementary. Well, it's true that in the Doyle books, if you were to make Watson a woman, she couldn't be in the army or a doctor. It's 2012, and those things are no longer true. I really would love to see a BAMP female Watson in a modern setting who has been in the army and examined the impact of her gender on that as well. Lucy Liu is a good actress. I'm sure she will do a good job at the role she's been written. My fault is with the people who made the character, not the actress playing her. So I actually don't know that much about elementary because I want to give it a fair chance. Um, so I haven't really gone looking for details. I'm just going to watch it and see what it says. But I guess this means that, so I know that she's an ex-surgeon um, in the elementary setup. So I guess this means that she's not ex-military. It's not just, okay, so she's not military at all. She was a surgeon who lost her job and her certification in a malpractice suit. Oh. Yeah, so there's, it's pretty, con- like, okay, I'm... One, I'm suspicious because I think if it's a British thing, it should just stay British because I'm an asshole like that. But two, they've basically made her like really incompetent and I'm worried about that. But I also really want to watch it. Just because because she lost it in a malpractice suit doesn't mean it was a fair suit. That's true. But like it could very much be that she got her license taken away and it's completely unfair and she was right. It's yeah. No, that's totally possible. And I have hopes for that. So that and... The fact that I fucking love Lucy Liu, like I adore her. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm just 
like split on how I feel about it already, which worries me. Mm, I'm really intrigued. Um, I had very like knee jerk negative response to the idea because I, I, not for any other reason, right? Like if BBC Sherlock had not already happened, I would think that elementary was a really good idea. I would think it was cool. But the problem is that BBC Sherlock has happened. It's so ground into the psyche of everyone who is either new to Sherlock Holmes or has always liked Sherlock Holmes and likes this new interpretation. Mm-hmm. I, it's, you're inevitably going to be comparing the two. And I mean, there's not a very good, there's a very bad track record when it comes to taking British shows and translating them for the U.S. audience, right? Like, I'm thinking Life on Mars as a good example of this, where it was hugely successful in the U.K. and just a complete flop in the U.S. So I'm I'm wary but curious. I really like Lucy Liu as well. Um, and I think that the show has a lot of potential to be the I think that if you can succeed with this show, like, that's a great triumph, right? Because you're up against so much pushback already. Um, I have a related question. Yeah. Whatever happened to Churchwad USA? I think that that actually aired and went away. Wow, okay. I, like, have no idea. I just honestly was completely disinterested in watching it. But I know that there was at least some Churchwad that... Torchwood, sorry, guys. Um, (laughs) But we just, for some reason, can't refer to it as Torchwood. We just call it Churchwad. Um, (laughs) And... I think that they did actually air it. I just don't, I didn't watch it. Did anybody watch it? Like, was it good? You should let us know. Well, for values of Churchwad, good. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number 19. Yes. I'm fanishly closeted, and I hate it. My close friends in real life are into all the fandoms that I love, but are basically fan adjacent, and I don't think they'd really appreciate me spewing all my feelings at them. At the same time, I always feel like I'm hiding a part of myself from them, and I really hate it. I also have no idea how to find out if they're actually fangirls as well, or if they're just big fans, or if they were at one point but aren't anymore. But yeah, closet fangirl. Closet fangirl, I know exactly what you mean. I'm not quite as... I guess I'm not quite as unhappy in in that position as you are. I don't think that they would mind if you spewed all your feelings at them, unless unless your feelings are all, like, pairing-related, and they're only into the fandom as, like, a general fan thing. In which case, that would be slightly awkward if they weren't necessarily into it. I guess you should just, like, put on your secret investigative reporter hat and ask probing side questions to see if you can sort of, like, figure it out. Like, a, a good way, a good sideways door into something, right, is, like, Okay, so if MK is my friend who is in real life and finish adjacent, but I don't know whether or not she's, like, into Slash, I would be like, hey, wasn't that, like, wasn't that great, that sort of immediate antagonistic chemistry between Steve Rogers and Tony Stark, and see whether or not, like, anything comes out of that conversation? Like, something like that, maybe. Yeah, that sounds fair enough to me. Yeah. So, the next one's a doozy. The next one is definitely a doozy. I'm going to have some thoughts about this when I'm done reading it. Okay, so number 20. I've always wanted to be well-known in a fandom for my writing. Now this has happened in a mid-sized fandom, and I realize it's not all it's cut out to be. (laughs) People bitch about you on a non-memes, people judge your fic by higher standards than normal, and people who don't know you form opinions of you. If you talk a lot, you're hogging the spotlight. If you're quiet, you're aloof. I feel bad complaining to my friends because some of them are trying so hard to get more hits, kudos, and comments on their fic, and I look like an ungrateful bitch if I say I don't like the attention. Whoa, heavy. Heavy, and you know what? I guess, okay, so I think everyone does some vanity Googling. Like, <laughs> like lit- come on, everyone does some vanity Googling, right? Yes. And because I keep track of, like, 
how the podcast is doing, how that's all going. I'm the person who, like, does the vanity Googling for Slash Report. I have trained myself out of vanity Googling myself. I find some terrible shit said about us where, like, people have, like, really misunderstood what we were saying or, like, I don't know if they just weren't listening. Some of it, I'm like, oh, you just don't agree with us and that's totally fine. But, like, they seem to hate us personally for our opinions. And that's fine. There's also, like, really great stuff that people have said about us. But, like, there's no... As soon as you have some attention in fandom, it's gonna go to hell. Yeah. There's... It's gonna suck. I know, like, everyone is like, oh my god, I want more hits, I want more comments, I want more kudos. But once you get there, it's shit. There's good sides. Like, it's great. You... Like, the idea that some people really like your stuff, that's really satisfying. But there's also going to be a lot of shit in your face. Yes, there will be. And just as a piece of advice... Because, like, let's not fucking beat around the bush, right? Like, I have a lot of experience with this. Just as a piece of advice, and this goes out to absolutely everybody, and it's because I didn't, I was really young when my writing started to get more attention in fandom, and I still had sociopath teenager brain, so I wasn't really, like, thinking about this in a critical, intelligent way. And I think the thing to keep in mind, and this is so hard to follow because there's nothing more personal than when people dump on your writing, Right. And in fandom, whenever people dump on your writing, they conflate it with you. And so when people dump on you, they're dumping on your writing and your immediate knee jerk need is to defend it or to say, like, you're wrong. You don't understand. Don't do it. Never do it. Like, never, ever give into that desire. Don't let any of your friends give into that, like, because they will become targets like the major base of power that you are going to have as you get more attention is if you keep your silence. Like, and I know it sounds ludicrous. Like, it sounds completely ridiculous, but your only base of power is if you are quiet. You know, the minute you say anything, someone will misinterpret it. Like, there is a reason that my LJ has no content on it other than story updates, right? Because it's just not worth it. It's all I have. There's not really, like, there's not really a good way around it. But I'm sorry that, you know, I'm sorry that you have to deal with that part. Let's do the next one, which is also a doozy. Yes! Oh, this one's going to be interesting. (laughs) We we were talking so just to preface i think mk you and i have been going back and forth on what to even say about this one since we got it yeah we've been talking about it all week and i've only cut it down a little bit because i want to keep it as intact as possible number 21 (laughs) oh god i'm braced for impact already great I have a huge problem with stories that are beta-read but still contain mistakes. Huge. For example, I recently read a story at the beginning of which the author thanked six different people for their help. Two people for beta duties, two more for audiencing, and two more for unspecified assistance. The point is, this story went through six pairs of hands, as well as the author's, before being published, and it had spelling grammar errors throughout the piece. This leads me to my theory. I think that a lot of people are getting their stories baited by people who they know and who are already familiar with the story because the author's been discussing it with them. So that, here's the thing, when reading to beta, they are more invested in seeing how the story goes than picking out the errors. I think maybe betas are excited about the story being finished and in their excitement are missing some of the mistakes. Additional and related confession. I once offered to do this in addition to supplementary Brit picking for one of the Slash Report team, and let's just say she gave me the short shrift. Totally put me off ever offering to do that kind of thing again, even when I recently saw an author eagerly invite any and all kinds of feedback on her story, and there were some proofing issues I could have flagged up for her, but 
I was too scared. I suppose I want to turn this confession into a discussion topic. What do the Slash Report team think about betaing? Do you think it's a good idea to have a relative stranger do an additional beta? What do you think about correcting errors in published stories? Is it ever cool for a reader to point them out? If they are pointed out or the author finds them herself post-publication, is it cool to go back and correct them? Or should a story remain as posted, errors and all? I think we should break this down. We should break this down. We should break this down into several steps. But the first thing I just have to say is that if you're going to call out one of the Slash Report team, it's not terribly ninja because there's only two of us. And only one of us would ever have needed Brit picking. Yes. Her name rhymes with rage to fuck. I couldn't think of anything that rhymed. That was almost as not ninja as the secret clue hidden in this confession. <laughs> You're welcome. That is fucking amazing. Okay. <laughs> Round of applause. Thank you. But we'll we'll double back on that in a in a bit. I think that there's a lot to break down before we get into my response to this thing that you've stuck in there. I think that uh, The problem is, is because I don't know the context of this confession. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know whether or not you write. I don't know whether or not this person has done a lot of editing or betaing or copy editing of other people in the past. I don't know that this story in question that she's brought up or he or she has brought up how long it was. I think that whenever anyone is like, this has like seven betas and it still has errors. And I was like, fucking, of course it still has errors in it. It's a piece of writing, you know? Like, do you know how many thousands of things could be wrong in any given piece of writing? Like books with errors in the first line. Exactly. Like, multiply that by millions when it comes to fanfic. Multiply that by million billions when it comes to long fanfic. So it doesn't surprise me at at all that there are still errors in the story. I don't think that it means that anyone slacked. I don't think that the beta is rushed. I just think that it means we're human. And since this is not a professionalized gig, yeah, of course there's going to be fuck-ups in it. You know, that's typical, that's standard, that's kind of the way writing works. It doesn't surprise me at all, and I don't think that it's like some sort of problem in the fact that you have people who already know the story reading it. And that goes back to one of my major, major pet peeves, which is... Which is the whole concept of, in answer to your first question about would it be a good idea to have a relative stranger be an additional beta? No. No. Absolutely disagree. I think it's the worst idea ever. Like, writing is already so touchy. If you had a perfect stranger doing it, I would take off somebody's head. Yeah, I would probably murder someone. It would be, you would be on the defensive the entire time, I feel. Not just that, but I mean, like, the reason that when I write something or when I'm, like, working on a vid or whatever, the reason that I send it to the people I send it to is because I trust their opinion. Yeah. And I know that they know my weaknesses, and they'll be like, listen, you fucked this part up. Like, maybe you should fix that. Yeah. They might not get everything. But they're people who I think have a complementary skill set or complementary viewpoint. Yeah. And also, I think so much, I, so I have a couple of longtime betas or editors or whatever that I've worked with, right? And the relationship there is not necessarily what people consider like a typical beta relationship. So two good examples are the Hoyden and Lepicus, who I have worked with on stories for yonks now, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
Hoyden for literal years, Lepicus for literal years. And whenever I'm working on a piece and they're either my beta or they're my story beta or whatever, it's not so much that they get a draft of it at the end of the day. I've been talking to them about the story the entire time. So I'll put forth things like, I think this is what's going to happen. They're like, I think that that works. Or like, no, this doesn't really work. And part of the reason that that relationship works is because I feel secure enough with them that I can do this. And I also feel secure enough in our relationship that they can be like, no, that's stupid. And that is not something that a perfect stranger can say to you, even if it's valid and not have there be a lot of discord instantly there. Like the beta relationship is a very delicate one. And if you have a good one, cling to them, right? Like that is a very important person to have with you to make you a better writer. And I do not think that that is something a perfect stranger can do for you. Now, I think that what you're also going to the heart of is like, copy editing issues which like I have a lot of problems with copy editing issues like in the sense that I don't think that they're that important like I have never ever declined to wreck a story because it had some typos in it like there are obviously egregious examples or people post things that's like this is actually making it difficult to understand what's happening in the story because it's so sloppy but most of the time that's not the situation right like if there's if there's like a grammar error or a typo or like something incrementally wrong with it, like it doesn't take away from the overall story. And the larger problem is when someone has a story that doesn't work. That's totally how I feel. I'm there for the story and the characters. I'm not there for perfect grammar and spelling. Yeah. That's not something that's going to like upset me about the story. And it's not something that's going to prevent me from enjoying it or, or recommending it to anybody, you know? Yeah. Uh, Uh, What do you think about correcting errors in published stories? If you want to, go ahead. I think that there are relative levels of engagement on that one. Yeah, it really depends on the author and on the story, because there are stories where I was like, oh man, I can't believe I made that mistake, and I would go back and fix it, and the other ones were like, dude, I really don't care anymore. Yeah. I mean, I vacillate. Like, this is, like, as as stupid and silly as, like, my mood on any given day. So, like, on some stories, people will be like, hi, uh, there's this wrong with it I'll be like oh okay I'll fix it and other days I'll be like hi there's this wrong with it I'll be like ugh and like not just not even deal with it because I'm lazy or whatever there's really no other excuse other than I'm lazy it's um you know what it's not even that you're lazy you and I both have a lot going on in our regular lives also like I think the thing that everyone sort of needs to like take a step back on on this sort of thing and I recognize I'm getting very prickly about this I think the thing everyone sort of needs to recognize about fanish creation is that it's fan work, you know, like that's not not professional. Right. It's it's not to say you shouldn't take it seriously and make it good, but like people are doing this in their spare time. People are doing this for fun. There's a certain level of polish you expect out of something professionally edited. That is not a standard to which I hold fan fiction. No. And okay, I will say on the other side of the thing, sometimes I regret going back and changing something. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying vidding a lot lately and had been re-watching some of the stuff that I had made um, on my way to work. And I was like, oh, you know what? I really just want to fix a bunch of things in this vid. And I, quote, fixed them. And then like three days later, I rewatched it and I was like, this is eight times worse than the original <laughs> vid. And I can't undo it. Like, I don't know how to fix it. Aww. And now it's out there like a like a not as good version of it's my Tony Stark vid. I'm like, mm, I ruined it. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I'm really sorry. I mean, like I have a, con- I, I have a opposite version. Like remember when I was a genius and deleted Presca Vu off the internet? <laughs> yeah. That's like the greatest day of my life. Lepagus was in my what house. What have I like, done? Just- 
completely unsympathetic, just laughed at me like a jerk the entire time while I was like freaking out and writing to AO3 to see if they had a restore function. You freaked out and you messaged me and I checked the calendar to see if it was April 1st. (laughs) I was like, yeah, right. I don't know how, uh, anyways, in conclusion, don't just randomly click OK when you're on AO3 to stop. <laughs> but when I re, I ended up having to like re-upload the story, I swapped the last two paragraphs around. So yeah, like because this pacing on the last two had always bothered me. And the minute I swapped them, I felt better. So I'm, I think that people are open, like various authors have various different levels of openness toward fixing stuff or changing things in already published stories. Is it okay for a reader to point them out? I think that's kind of on a case by case basis for the author. I think that as far as the reader is concerned, like be polite about it. And if your entire comment is to point out there's something wrong in their story, don't do it. I don't necessarily. Yeah don't do it. Cause I think that that comes off really badly. My general policy would be, did they ask for like people, if they noticed errors to point them out? Because if they didn't, I would not do it. I just, some people don't want it. They don't care. Yeah. And you, that's so, it's like the most non-fandom PC thing to ever say, right? Like you can never, ever confess, like, I don't care. Just don't tell me like, cause that's, no one wants to hear that. Right. Like, no. Oh, what are you? arrogant asshole right like but I think a lot of people genuinely don't care um let's talk about the discussion of beta-ing versus audiencing and stuff for a second because I think that's a big part of her question which is like what do you think about beta-ing and I think that like maybe your maybe her understanding of beta is different than mine but a beta for me isn't just someone that you would send a story to because like I read while it's being written, pretty much everything that the Hoyden and 20-something and a lot of the time you write, but I'm not beta reading it. No. Um, I'm just there to be like, yeah, I think that's a good idea, or like, no, don't do that, or like, maybe this should happen next. And that's what I would say audiencing is. And so I don't think that audiencing is stupid at all. I think it's helpful. Like, it's it's useful, but it's not beta-ing. Yeah. It's very low-key. I'm, I'm there because I want to know what happens next. <laughs> and I'm a completely useless beta quote. If you want someone to, like, tell you all of your typos and spelling errors, because, frankly, I just, like, don't read for that. Like, whenever I'm reading a story, that is not what I'm reading for. I'm, like, I'm trying to skip over that sort of thing. But I'm very good at telling you at when your plot points don't necessarily link up or when you're trying too hard. Like, I'm good for a narrative beta, which is what, like, if Lepagus is ever citing me as a beta, she's probably only citing me as a beta for telling her if the plot makes sense, right? Because I'm not going to be the person who went through and was like, I don't think your semicolon is in the right place. Just saying that <laughs> makes me want to break out into hives. <laughs> <laughs> I will say also, betaing is really hard. So you can't just have, like, anyone be your beta. Like, you might have to go through a whole bunch of people before you find the right person to do that for you. Yeah. And it's not an easy job. And, like, the odd time that I've been like, I don't know if I want to tell the author this. Yeah. But I think they need to know, but uh, it's like, it's tough. You have to be able to just tell someone what you really think about it. And you have to know that they actually respect your opinion. Yeah, but that goes back to the whole thing where I think that having a stranger do it or a relative stranger is a horrible idea. Yeah, it's bad. Just don't, because... It has to be someone you really trust and whose judgment you really trust. But the other part of it, I think, is you also have to you also have to trust yourself enough as a writer to be like, you know what? No, I disagree with you. Yeah, absolutely. And it happens all the time. All the time. 
all the time. So many emails back and forth on my latest story on certain things. And you're just like, "Mm, I disagree. I'm going to go ahead with what my original idea is. Yeah. And I like, you know, Lepicus has changed my mind on stuff before. I've changed her mind on stuff before. There's stuff that just like doesn't sound when I'm describing it in words. Sounds like it works, but on paper it does. Like it's a process. It's like a living fluid process. And it should be with someone whose judgment you trust and whose opinion you trust and who you believe is invested in this work, right? And that's like a really tough combination of things to find. So I'm really lucky in that I do have someone like that. I have two someones like that. And that's rare. It's very rare. It's just, you have to cultivate good relationships. Totally. Totally. Oh, what was I even talking about? Oh, but we have to talk about. (laughs) Yes. The additional and related confession. I assume that, I don't really assume, I'm guessing that what happened was, is that at some point on one of my millions of stories, you offered to Brit pick for me. And when you say, what was the exact word? Short shrift, smiley face. What that actually means is I didn't respond to you. I don't know if you know this, but I don't actually answer comments at all. There, I remember really specifically, maybe three or four times I've responded to comments. And it's because correction comments have come in either right when I was open to edit a story or fixing it or one time I in a story I spelled Yusuf's name wrong it's like Yusuf (laughs) entirely throughout the whole fucking story and someone was like uh I think Yusuf has two use so I went back here and I fixed all of it because I should fix that I don't I guess I don't really know how I feel about this because there is a sort of no matter what I say I'm gonna get myself in trouble here I think But I don't understand why my lack of response would make you feel too scared to offer for other people. You can use my lack of response to form whatever opinions you want to about me, but it shouldn't prevent you from offering to help other people when they're requesting it. I think it's Uh, the request that's the big thing, right? Because if someone doesn't ask for a Brit Picker or a Beta or whatever, like I wouldn't offer because that seems really like ballsy whenever you approach a question like this, right, you have to come at it from two different directions. Number one, from my point of view, it's going to be like, hi, I just like vomited out this entire fucking story. Like I've clearly put a lot of work and time into it. I didn't request anyone to point out errors to me. That's not to say that I wouldn't necessarily fix them if the mood struck me, but it's, I think that to me, it's like, I'm probably not going to write you like an email being like, I'm so glad you pointed that out to me. On the other hand, from the point of view of someone who's offering, like they're just, they're working off presuming, like they're working off of their best intentions, right? Like, okay, there's something wrong in the story. I want to point it out to this author. Like maybe it will help them. And probably it feels kind of lame to be like, oh, well, I didn't even get a response to this. So if that's how you felt, I'm sorry that you felt that way. But I, at the same, I'm just like, I get a lot of emails pointing out shit that I do wrong. And I get a lot of emails that are just horrifically rude. And I also get a lot of really nice emails. And they all just like go into this like one long blur of stuff people want. And I cannot do it. No, that's fair enough. Is there any, like, is there any way to make that sound like I'm less of an asshole? Like, it's just that there's just a lot of different, there are a lot of people pulling in a lot of different directions on certain things, and it's just not going to happen. No, it's, we're all busy people, and I don't reply to everyone who emails me. Sometimes I reply to the first message they send me, and then I'm like, I don't have time for this anymore, and I don't respond to any of the follow-up emails. Yeah. Because I don't have time. Yeah. We run this, we have jobs, we have multiple jobs, both of us. (laughs) 
there's like a lot going on and you know if the if the response is no response that usually just means sorry but no and you know like thanks but no yeah and I actually the more I think about this I don't think that there is a way to so a couple of people put together a fandom Emily post the other day and they were like, if someone sends you corrections, and even if you're not going to take them, just be like, thank you, and move on. I almost think that that's worse, because I wonder if that sets up an expectation that you're going to implement them. Okay, that's kind of like my opinion on, so I'm an atheist, and when I go to dinners at my family's house, or like when we have like Christmas dinner with all the relatives and stuff, right? they all hold hands and bow their heads and close their eyes and say grace together. Right. And I'll hold their hands or whatever, but I won't bow my head, I won't close my eyes, and I won't say grace because I'm an atheist. And I actually find that, to me, it's disrespectful to their beliefs if I, like, pretend to play along. I see that. I can see that. And I I wouldn't want someone to think that, like, oh, no, I totally agree with this when I don't because that's lying. Yeah. Okay. I think we've we've probably talked about this enough that we're going to get massive flames all I'm over the place. Looking forward to your your vanity stocking the slash report next week. Oh, you should be, because I'm gonna. I'm, who knows if I'll send you everything? But maybe you should just read number twenty two instead now. I will. I will. Because I think it's adorable. It is really cute. I know my little sister participates in fandom, but she doesn't tell me. One day, I really, truly, accidentally saw her name on her lap. Saw a name on her laptop. Turns out it's her handle for some forum and fanfiction sites. I am now cyber stalking her for her own good. You know what? Normally, I don't condone this, but good on you. Totally good on you. I did that to the little sister of a friend of mine in high school. Just to protect them from, like, some awful corners of the internet. Yeah, well, it turns out, so this girl was on fanfiction.net and fanfiction.net only. And because she knew that her sister and I were fanish, and I knew that she was listening to us talking, I just made sure to mention some, like, better places where you could get better fanfiction. I don't know if that's good or bad, okay? I just wanted to, like, improve her reading material. (sighs) Look at you, always a giver. Always a giver. Always a giver. Let's talk about (laughs) number 23. Okay. My favorite Batman movie in 100% serious honesty is Batman and Robin. There's just so much glitter and Poison Ivy walks across a naked man bridge and it is so beautiful. (laughs) Dude, I liked that movie. I wouldn't call it like my favorite Batman movie, but I enjoyed it. I don't have a response to that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. My, you know what? My spectrum of Batman is like I either like the super camp or the like, not the super dark because I hate Frank Miller, but right. like some of the pretty dark serious stuff. And it's when it's in between that I'm not that interested in it. So go for it. I think it's awesome. If you want like glitter and poison ivy and a naked man bridge, power to you. Just the words naked man <laughs> Just read 24. 24. Um, I started watching sports and the Olympics in order to find a new fandom. Alas, Olympics RPF is basically non-existent on AO3, but I'm still hooked on watching live. So I wake up at 4 a.m. to watch events via streaming online. Anon, I just did a search for you. Olympics RPF does exist on AO3. I don't necessarily know if there's a lot of it. But if you do a search for the tag Olympics RPF, it will dump you into something just called Sports RPF. And it doesn't differentiate for Olympics. But if you scroll down, I, I'm just scrolling and I just ran across two Ryan Lochte, Michael Phelps, uh, Michael Phelps stories, which obviously is written are written by the BBC, since anyone watching that coverage knows that BBC is hardcore hate slashing them. 
they are. It's really concerning. I was just sitting there at my desk at work, like very unsubtly watching the Olympics instead of working one day. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening, BBC? I'll, I'll leave you to it because you know my feelings about the Olympics. I know. I know. Number um, 25. Okay. I accidentally stumbled into Jonas Brothers fic via Scoosie Pants' bandom stuff. And now I can't stop thinking about Kevin. I'm watching all of their shows, listening to their music, having strong feels about their hair care. Why is this happening to me? Hashtag so wrong. You probably punched a baby in a past life. <laughs> I guess. You probably hit a child. I, at this point in my life, because I'm so deeply entrenched in Teen Wolf, <laughs> my opinion is that if you are having strong feelings and you're like, why is this happening to me? It's ruining my life. You're in a good spot. Just keep going. Yeah, except Marilyn would disagree. We just finished recording the, uh, the, the One, one Direction. direction episode, which is basically Marilyn going, they're life ruiners. I hate them. I hate them so much over and over again. So I don't actually know if that was like exquisite agony or just agony that's exquisite. It's hard to say with her. I feel like they're interchangeable. I know. So I feel like you're probably in the same place, but no, you definitely hit a kid in a past life. This is your karmic punishment. Whatever. Kids deserve to be hit. I assume that MK ran over like six babies in a past life, and that's why she's into Teen Wolf. 20 babies. And that's why Jeff Davis trolls her on a daily basis. 20 babies. 20 babies. 26. I really, 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 really can't stand Tom Hiddleston's face. (laughs) I blame Tumblr. Dude, I'm with you 100%. I put him on my blacklist. He still shows up because people don't fucking tag. There's oh, no, no solution. I feel like you're probably just having like an allergic reaction from overexposure. He's everywhere. Oh, honey, don't even start with me because that's how I feel about fucking Teen Wolf. and I can't even get away with it. Get away from it on the podcast that I co-run. I'm sorry, but at least I tag the shit out of stuff on Tumblr. Yeah, but other people don't. So no, I, we know how you feel. I'm sorry. This I message brought to you by tagging. But yeah, I hope one day you can enjoy Tom Hiddleston again. But if you can't, we'll understand. Totally. For a period of time, a friend and I referred to Prue in casual casual conversation as God. So, for example, she'd say, did you read God's newest post? Or I'd say, oh my God, God commented on my fic. I would just (laughs) like to say, I think I know and I'm friends with these people. Are you serious? Yeah, like, I think I know who this is, and it's hilarious. I can, like, tell you how red my face is right now. People used to be like, you know God? And I'd be like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Oh, Prue. Uh, Um, thank you. In seven days. She made a world. I did. Um, it's a horrible world filled with butt fucking and trolls. I'm, I'm flattered. Uh, <laughs> I don't. There's not really like a response I can make to that other than like, you guys are awesome. That's hilarious. I hope that you guys keep enjoying my shit and. Uh, congrats on writing a really good pick because I really, I read tons. I comment on all the ones I like. So thank you for writing something really nice for the rest of us. All right, go on. 28. Uh, okay. 29. Used to be 29, now 28 because I ixnayed one confession for not being a confession and being a question. Okay, fine. We'll just call it 29. Yeah, 29. Uh, I still own a Ronda one half t-shirt. Girl, that is badass. I support that 100%. Me too, 110%. I fucking love that show. Yeah, next time you come here, we should watch some Ranma OVAs. Oh my god, hells yes, we should watch some Ranma OVAs, and then we should go eat some Okonomiyaki, and then... Oh my god, we can go to Okonomiyaki House. Yes, right? 
A plus. I honestly think that that show is where I get my gender fuck obsession from. Ditto. When I read those comics, mom was like, "What are you reading?" And I was like, "I don't want to talk about it." The greatest thing ever. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I couldn't be like, "This really makes me want to know, like, how what it would be like if I could just pour water on myself and have a penis for a while and then switch back to being a girl." I was mostly obsessed with like, I wonder what it would be like to have a penis. Yeah, I really wanted to know. I've always been really grateful that I'm a lady and all of my genitalia is like internal because I can injure myself so many ways. And I truly believe that if I had a dick, I would hurt myself badly. This is a thing that I, okay, so we're going to have a dumb conversation right now about this, guys. I hope you're enjoying (laughs) it. But I have enough trouble with like my boobs being like, like so painful when I run. Like I definitely do the boob hold even when I'm wearing a really solid bra. I can't even imagine what it's like to have like a long dangly thing between your legs. Well, you have to, first of all, with the boobs, you have to double bag that shit. I wear two sports bras, like two hardcore sports bras, whenever I go running. Well, you know that I only run if someone's out to kill me. I know. I understand. I'm training for the Zompocalypse, like I said. Oh, but the penis thing, right? Like, holy shit, right? I'm totally with you. Right? We're overestimating the size of our penises if we were dudes. Uh, If I were a dude, my penis would be massive. Thanks. Thanks for that. I have size 11 ladies' feet, okay? It would be huge. I wonder what my dick would be like. I hope it would be pretty. I think mine would just be brutal. Wow. This way. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, slash reporters. The really terrible thing, guys, is like, this is actually what our conversations are like when we're not recording. It's true. If we weren't recording, this would have gone on. (laughs) It would have gone longer. Then we're only just going to cut it off because we're recording. Only ending it because we're recording and preventing me from having a long discussion about dick cheese. Also, because this episode is going to be long enough as it is. So long. All right. Um, Next one is, I waste a lot of my life wishing I could spend my life kneeling at the feet of one particularly amazing fellow fan. She could tell me stories and then I could eat her out. Alas, she is straight. Sounds like an art crush. When we said that it was like almost like fandom misconnections. Yeah, totally. We got a couple, a couple like this. Yeah. And you know what? Art crush. We've all had an art crush. Yeah. I keep platonically proposing to Prue, even though that we are like not sexually interested in each other, just because I want her to like be my housewife. (laughs) For now, we are not sexually interested in each other. We don't know what happens in the zompocalypse. That's right. Wait until the soul bond kicks in. <laughs> uh, well, you know, a lot of people get sad and have sex during the apocalypse. Uh, I wonder, like, are you sure she's straight? No one's that straight, right? Like it's a Kinsey scale. Everyone's sliding. Maybe, maybe, like, maybe she could be persuaded. I, we're rooting for you, Anon. I'm told that a lot of people made out with other ladies at Mini Merlin. <sighs> Not that naming may- names. Yeah, that may have been a thing that happened. I'm just saying, you should you should not give out hope. It, maybe it could happen for you. Yeah, I don't know. Believe power of love and oral sex. <laughs> All right, uh, 31. I stopped co-writing fic because I fell in love with my co-writer and couldn't tell her. I realized... Aww. I know, it's so sad. I realized I was writing all my hopes for us into fic and felt it was too dishonest, so I dropped that alias Cold Turkey and never wrote with her again. Oh my god! That's like changing your name and moving to Oklahoma. It is! And do you know what I wonder? I wonder if the co-writer is out there being like, where did my friend go? She probably is! She just vanished! We never even finished our story together. That's so sad. This could totally, like, guys, come on. 
I, I feel like there's a way, like, this this has to work, right? Like, as a, as a hopeless romantic, I have to believe. Missed connections. It's connections. If like, you think you're that person, use the fangirl confession email. If you think you're that person, definitely use the fangirl confession email. Because, like, we like to see as many happy fangirls as possible. Totally. Oh, that's really sad. Even if it doesn't work out, I hope you find love again. Me too. Fingers crossed for you, Anon. We're rooting for you 100% too. You and the previous Anon in the missed connections love match section were behind you 100% of the way. Yes. Okay, next one. Hilariously. Teen Wolf! Despite my son starting high school this fall, imagining reading writing high school boy porn when it's just wrong. Um, I can't stop. Thank God he doesn't like lacrosse. Wow. That is hilarious. and That's really funny and sort of awkward. <laughs> one of the many reasons I'll never have children. Just be really careful if you're driving and you see the lacrosse team. I, for one, one actually drove my car into a road cone in college. <laughs> I did. It was really bad. So I was it, I, I was in college. I was driving to the grocery store or something on like a Saturday morning. And I literally plowed into at least two road cones because I blocked off a lane because I got so distracted by Air Force ROTC guys who were out on promenade. That's pretty reasonable. They were all in their fucking uniforms and it was so gorgeous. And I basically was just like, Ugh, drool, like crunch. Oh shit, scree back into my lane. It was a good day. I work on campus not far from like the major sports facilities. Okay, there's like shirtless 20-somethings running by every day. You should just like go up to one and be like, let me help you into your manhood. No. Ew, they <laughs> probably are a member of the frat house I work next to. There's nothing wrong with that. Just take them. Take them savagely. I hate you. Let's move on to 33. Okay. I love Twitter. It's the best way to keep in touch with people, harass them, publicly goad them into writing me fic, getting me gifts, doing things for me. But sometimes I feel like it's a weird form of performance art. I know exactly what you mean, Anon. Because it's so public. It is super public. And if you lock down your Twitter, it limits your options quite a bit. Yeah, we get a lot of, um, you see, like, conversations happening on the at slash report page on our Twitter. And I can't, like, I have no idea what's going on because it's always, like, locked account said something that this person is, like, responding to. I presume they're saying that we're horrible and they hate us, though. I don't know. I feel like, like, sometimes it seems like there's a whole conversation going on and we're supposed to, like, get the joke. And I I can't. I have no idea. (laughs) Tons of stuff missing. Yeah. But no, I completely know what you mean. It's just, like, part of what makes it funny is the fact that it's slightly performative. But it's also, like, it's performative in the sense where you feel safe behind the anonymity of your Twitter client, I guess. Well, ideally. Ideally. Why don't yeah, you do but... 34? Because I know this is one of your favorites. Oh, hells yes. Okay, so I'm kind of a snobby, thick reader. Nothing will make me back button faster than bad writing. But you know those fics where a character did something bad in canon and the other characters were justifiably mad at him for doing it, but he's a fandom darling, so people write about how everyone ostracizes him and hates him and is mean to him and then something terrible happens to him, or else he sinks into depression because everyone is way overreacting, but he feels so guilty, he thinks he deserves it, and he hates himself and stops eating or sleeping and works even harder than before and eventually passes out in public or something, and then everyone feels terrible for how they treated him and then make up and it's all rainbows and butterflies and butterflies puking rainbows. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> it started in Harry Potter fandom with, um, well, the MWPP era fix, where Sirius Black tricks Snape into nearly getting killed by Remus, and James has to rescue him. 
We never heard anything about the fallout from that and whether anyone but Snape was ever even mad at him, but he people wrote those fics anyways. My favorite was a really long whip on fanfiction.net, oh boy, um, where people, where everyone hates him, and then they all go home on break and Sirius's family holds him prisoner and tortures him for reasons. <laughs> I don't remember why, but he manages to call James by flu and tries to beg for help, but James will listen to him or something. It's been a long time. I think the last of it I read was his friends were looking for him because he didn't come back to school. Either because his parents were still holding him hostage or because he had escaped and was on the run, possibly as a dog. <laughs> Bogus confession. <laughs> we have to do that one after. <laughs> I love this confession so much. This one had us, like, crying at work, laughing so hard. Like... <laughs> Act casual, crying at my desk with laughter. Like, oh my god. We've all read them. We, I have not. I hate those stories. Okay, I don't like them, but I've read them. I've, oh man, I have a really, I'm not going to name the fandom of this, but there is a story that I came across that, like, I did read this one because it was so, like, the what the fuck was strong. Um, where, like, a character... Like, essentially, he does something bad, and the entire premise is he lets, like, bad guys rape him in guilt. And I was just like, what? 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 Just, like, really? What? I, I don't understand what people are getting out of these stories. I find it interesting that some fandoms lean towards it more than others. Yeah. So, I mean, I failed out of Merlin a couple, like, a while back. But there wasn't that much happening that way in Merlin, right? Like, if shit happens yeah. to Merlin, it's like, oh no, he's been raped. Like, Arthur has to save him with his magic penis. Yes. But, like, SGA, 100% all the time. Well, I, SGA set itself up for with Trinity. Yeah, and obviously, okay, you love Trinity as an episode. I hate yeah. Trinity as an episode. I'm always, what exactly about it did you hate? Did you just not like the episode, or did you not like the fallout of the episode? Both. Okay. Like, it makes me really uncomfortable to watch. I don't think that Rodney... I just... I didn't see it happening. And then I didn't see, like, the way people... Oh, I just hate everything. I was like, okay, I'm a terrible... Did you think he did something wrong? Is that what you were about to say? That you thought it was fine, what he did? I didn't think it was fine, but I was like... I was like, that that, that solar system was uninhabited, okay? You don't know that it was uninhabited. They have life signs detectors. They were like, no, it's uninhabited. They have life signs detectors that go over an entire solar system? Isn't that what the puddle jumpers are for? No. Yes! On a planet, you cannot extend the entire breadth and width of a solar system. It's SG fucking A. You know what? They never said it was uninhabited. I'm pretty sure it was uninhabited. Wow, okay, this explains so much, because for years you've been like, I hated Trinity, I didn't like it, and I was always like, I don't really understand, but I get it now. This is like, this is magical MK land. okay. There's no way they would have let him conduct that experiment if that solar system had been inhabited. They didn't think that that experiment was going to lead to the destruction of most of that solar system. It doesn't so, matter. Yeah, they probably would have let him conduct that experiment. No, Elizabeth was always being like, you can't do that, it's too dangerous. There's like one person who will get hurt. Yeah, but see, they let him do all sorts... Okay, this is not... We can't this do this. Not profitable, but you're wrong. You're so. wrong. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. You're going to have to. Why don't you do the bonus <laughs> confession, which is gold. The bonus confession is so beautiful. The bonus confession is why you and I were, like, crying at our desk. And why AU Prue had to update that day. That's true. Bonus confession. I really, really want an Omegaverse Sentinel AU in the fandom of the author's choice. I vote Teen Wolf, obviously. The end. <sighs> 
it's like every single thing I hate wrapped up into like one convenient knotted package. You know how like I don't even like Omega verse stories, and yet I'm like. I would probably read that. Yeah, you would. It's a Sentinel AU, like, I can't stay away. Yep. Let's move on. Okay. 35. You get to read this one. Have fun. Ugh. I hate this one. I'm sorry, Anon. I hate it. Of all my fanish opinions, the most controversial one is for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I do not think that Spike tried to rape Buffy in the episode Seeing Red. Because Go ahead, pri- fire up your email, fandom. <laughs> yeah, please, please do. Because prior to that particular scene, their sex had been portrayed as dubcon lots of no-meaning yes encounters from Buffy herself. Spike did something that he realized was not appropriate. He misinterpreted her no, but that was it. To say he tried to rape her implies he intended to have sex with her regardless of her wishes that he could overpower her, and that the act itself was a power play to establish his dominance. As for that time when she was invisible, he clearly said no, and she ignored him anyway. Why wasn't she called a rapist? Vampires can't be raped? I'm not a Spike apologist, but the hypocrisy around the Buffy-Spike relationship during this season made me angry. I have to say, I do not know enough about this to actually have an opinion on it. Neither of us have seen this episode, I think. Yeah. Because I failed out of Buffy pretty early, because I hated it so much. And it's completely lame of us, but we're just going to have to let that lie there. Because I don't think either of us can talk about it, since we don't know the context of it. Not appropriately, anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, like, we can make inappropriate jokes about this, but that's about it. And obviously, this is not really something that's inappropriately joke-friendly. So feel free to, like, add us with your feelings on this secret i'm assuming people will have some um okay number 36 not a personal confession but there's a hilarious manga i really want to see this now by the way anon of course um, you do. hilarious manga anthology on ship confessions everything from the slightly weird shipping strangers on the street to the really weird this isn't even the weirdest example but there's one short anthropomorphizing email attachment file size caps um, an attachment is rejected for being too big, and the email cries. <laughs> the sequel is the computer telling a bespectacled Derek-y guy in a Sundari way, you have to keep me free from trash. The guy in glasses is revealed to be an antivirus program. And he replies ominously, of course, let me protect you. There will be no one else for you. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. I, you know what this reminds me of? There was a brief spurt of Mac PC slash. I read it. Or the Apple Get a Mac commercial series. Oh, yeah. No, I read a bunch of it. I was like, let's do this. It was friggin' hilarious. So amazing. Also, that fucking attachment being rejected for being too large is the greatest thing I've ever read. It's true. I just, like, I'll never look at big email attachments the same way ever again. (laughs) Now I'm just going to look at email from you, MK, whenever it contains, like, an audio file, just be like, you slag. <laughs> you slag. You oh. slag email. All right, 37. Okay. This is more of a fandom-related actual secret. Back in university, I had a few real-life friends who were also in fandom. One of them kept needling me about whether I could really be a lesbian or queer person who only dates girls if I liked Slash. At the time, I'd slept with enough girls to be quite sure I liked them but I was young and insecure enough that eventually I started to wonder if I was bi. I didn't want to diminish my big dyke on campus swagger by sleeping with one of my male friends, and who knows if any of them would have been interested anyway. So I slept with a guy off of Craigslist. No, I haven't even done that! I know, I have two reactions to this, and that's one of them. He was not a jerk and objectively pretty attractive. Nevertheless, the experience was terrible. 
All the things I found hot and porn didn't do anything for me in real life. Looking back on it, I'm not sure why I thought real life sex and porn were so strictly correlated. I enjoy reading about plenty of kinks that are we that weird me out, but when I try them, what? Sorry, let me redo that. I enjoy reading about plenty of kinks that weird me out when I try them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll read the PS in a second, but here are my two reactions. One, that girl is not your friend. And two, don't pick up people off Craigslist. Do not. Do not. Like. That's like criminal minds about to happen. Right? Like, I'm crazy. And, like, I would never do that. Don't do it. Just do not do that. Don't. So the PS, the PS is, could you use your magical fandom powers to convince more people to write more stories with girls? Alternately, I would be happy to donate some money to the Rage Proof Rock and 20-something quit their jobs and write Gender Swap All the Time Fund. Oh, would that that were a real fund. Would that that were a real fund that could provide me and 20-something endowments to do that full time. I actually think, I feel the same way. I really wish people would write more about girls and I'm not necessarily saying that in the sense that like I want more femme slash I just want more actual female characters definitely Uh, I think it's so hard like in a weird way writing women is so much more intimate and difficult than it is to write a male character because when you're writing a male character you as a female author like you necessarily know it's not you right like there's a divide so you can be and I think that's part of the reason slash is so kinky and sexy and fun is because you know that like it's not you it's kind of like consequence free, like let's go. It's balls. safe. Yeah. And when you write a female character, you end up feeling very exposed because someone is going to read that story and judge the femaleness of your character. And it's going to be some reflection on you in some way or the other. And that's a really kind of like, holy crap, I feel pretty naked here moment when you write that. But when it's done well, oh man, that's like the greatest stuff to read right such awesome stuff to read so i wish more people would do it guys me too i really love gender au's too they make me really happy and they make me more in touch with like i know we've talked about this before where like i don't feel like a girl i'm just a person first but when i read gender au's i'm like oh yeah ladies it's not it doesn't necessarily have to be a gender au even like i would love it if someone wrote like really good natasha fic from the avengers um I well, let's be serious. The chances of that happening are slim. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's a hard thing to do. And I think it's uniquely more difficult than writing Slash. Because whenever we're reading Slash or writing Slash, we all live with this sort of universal handicap in that most of us are not dudes. So we're going to give it more leeway. Um, if it's an actual female character and right, most of the readers are female, we're going to call bullshit on it more. And it's 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 harder, but I think it's so much worth it's so worth it. Anyway, guys, okay, last one. Last secret. I get really angry when I get more feedback for terrible fic I posted when I was twelve instead of for the works that I'm actually proud of and wrote at least twelve years later. I don't get angry, but I am always kinda like, oh, that that sure is yeah. a thing that happened. Well, I think that there's two possible reasons for this, right? Like maybe the one that you wrote when you were twelve is positioned in a way that's more easily discoverable. That's one. Um And the other one is maybe it's just in fic. Maybe it just, like, hits on some sort of pleasure button for people that your better stuff doesn't. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the writing. It just has to do with sort of, like, the sort of pleasure center of the brain that it stimulates. Like, because we're very unselfconscious and self-indulgent when we start writing, right? Like, I look back on my old writing, and I'm, like, really old. The stuff that, like, is not associated with my, not associated with me now. Like, this is stuff when I wrote when I was like 11 Um, and it's awful 
And it's awful because I was a bad writer, but it was also awful because it's so completely self-indulgent, like Mary Sue, BS, terribleness. Hmm. And I think that part of the reason that stuff is sometimes really enjoyable is that those are universal desires. And as we get better at editing ourselves, we know that those are actually like not great (laughs) and to execute well on them is much harder. So we just don't do it. Like maybe that's why the 12 instead of 24 stuff is getting more feedback. Yeah, fair enough. Um, So I think the last thing we should do is we talked about this a little bit and I think yours has kind of already been covered a little bit, but Yes. Instead of doing thick wrecks this week, we're going to confess as well. We're going to do a confession. Do but, you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, you can go first if you want. Okay. I'm in so much trouble in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. I, I can just see the hate mail streaming into my inbox. Right? All the hate mail in the world. Basically. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, my big confession is this. Um, I actually don't think concrete is that useful. Let me caveat that now while you guys are all like clutching your pearls. I mean that in the sense that once a story is posted, even if the author is like concrete welcome, I always look at that and I think like, to what ends? Because if what you're pointing out is like typos or like a spelling error or a grammar problem. That's not really constructive criticism. That's like copy editing stuff. And and that stuff is easily fixable post-publication. Not a, not a huge deal, but like actual constructive criticism is when someone reads through your stuff and thinks about it in a, in a narratively constructive way. And if they're like, I really don't think this characterization works, or I feel like you rushed this or like X, Y, and Z, whenever constructive criticism, like real constructive criticism is given, it's fake, you know, it's structural it's like gonna affect the entire story. So the question always is, is like, does the author get anything out of that? Like, are they gonna take down their story and rework it? Like, is that what's gonna happen here? Or do you just get it and then feel bad about it? And then like, try to do better next time when you write the exact same story, or like extrapolate those rules onto something else. But I mean, that's also hard, because we already know the rules, right? The rules are like, write engaging characters, have them make internal sense, show don't tell but it's always in the execution and the execution is so individual to every story like by no means does this mean like don't try to improve i just think that post-publication constructive criticism is actually like i don't know that it helps i think that getting constructive criticism as writing it from someone who is audiencing you or live betaing you is essential like it makes you a much better writer and it makes your story much stronger but i think once it's out like man you have got to the soul of an angel if you're actually going to like take all of those notes and just like rework your story over and over again not just that but if you take it down then you're like denying other people the story that maybe they don't care about those large issues maybe they're just there for the kissing yeah it's possible i yeah i don't know i don't (laughs) write enough to really have a true opinion about this yeah i i know that like it's gonna get me in trouble just because people Like, everyone sort of bows to the temple of constructive criticism. Like, there's this universal sentiment that we should all be like, oh my god, we're so grateful for constructive criticism. And I am, but I don't think that it's useful after a story has been published. And I'm sure that a million of you will have feedback that is like, you're completely wrong and looking at it from the wrong direction. Shut up, you suck, your hair is ugly. So I'm braced for it. Let's go. 
Amazing. All right. So my fandom <laughs> confession is also going to get me in a lot of trouble. Just the trick when you're doing these publicly <laughs> under your actual fanish name as opposed to anonymously. <laughs> we should put these anonymously. It's too and late. And just read them in the mix. Just read them in there somewhere. Uh, but then yeah. we would have to commentate on them and our commenter would be like, well, agreed. <laughs> yeah. That person is totally right. <laughs> yeah, that person. Wow. They're dead on. Um, so this thought process. 20-something, and I've been talking about this a lot lately. It's one of the things that really bothers me. Um, I see it a lot on Tumblr and a lot on Twitter. But there have been a bunch of posts lately. There are things like, oh, Jeff Davis, do you want a cookie? Because you cast a black dude? Like, oh, you're so progressive casting a black dude. Listen, there obviously there's a problem in our media with a lack of representation for visible minorities. We right. all know that that's a problem. But you being a douche about it when someone does cast a visible minority isn't helpful and it's actually like counterproductive to what you want to happen like i'm not saying tell someone like good job you cast a black dude just don't comment on it because of course they should cast a black dude they should cast an asian lady they should cast whatever because people are people and you want to cast like the right character and the right actor for the role not just white people and not just white men but right. Like, being a dick about it isn't going to make anyone want to cast more visible minorities. It's not going to make them not want to cast them, but it's going to make them be like, why do I bother if these people are just assholes? Just yep. don't be a douche. Like, has anyone ever listened to... F God, don't be a dick. Put it on your family crest, Will Wheaton style. Just do it. And anytime you're about to make a comment on the internet about something, think, is this me being a dick? Yes. And then don't do it. <laughs> the end what was the phrase that you were using which phrase don't let great be the enemy of good oh yeah let not the perfect be the enemy of the good okay yeah i think that's i think that sums it up beautifully it's like a famous phrase which yes. is um that is what triggered the shakespeare discussion yes so yes. let not the perfect be the enemy of the good guys you're not going to get... And, oh, God, okay, does anyone remember back in the day they were going to cast a live-action American version of Sailor Moon? No. Oh, my God. They made some promo materials for it, and everyone laughed their asses off, and it never happened for very good reasons. One of them was in a wheelchair. One of them was black. One of them was Asian. One of them was a boy. One had glasses. One had curly hair. It was like when you see those images that companies put up trying to show how diverse they are, and it's like the perfect diversity mix... That's what they had done. Yeah. In that, that's like when you're trying to achieve utopia. It's called utopia because it doesn't exist, guys. Yeah. We can all just try to be better, but we'll never be perfect. Yeah, and dumping on people who are making an effort is probably not the best way to go about it. No. What you want to do is, you know, complain when you see that someone has whitewashed a movie. That's the time when you can complain. Yeah. No, I think that's good. I'm sure that people will be mad at you about that, too. <laughs> Guaranteed. They'll be like, oh, you're just not into... Oh, God, I can't even... Let's let's move on. We have to end this. We have to end this. We have nothing else. We're just definitely, like, in trouble forever, and you and I are going to spend three hours editing this. Uh, yeah. No, it's going to be longer than three hours. This So far, we have two hours of recorded material. Jesus Christ. Okay, guys, we have to end this, because this is the longest podcast ever. 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 But I think, actually, um, we're going to keep the confession email and our form string open, and we may just make this a weekly feature. 
So in the future, if you do have any further confessions that you would like to make, please send them along. Uh, recognizing that the anonymity of this means that we're going to get a lot of hate mail in response to this episode. We're not going to read those. We're just going to delete them. Yeah. So, use these tools with good judgment. With great power comes great responsibility. That's true also. All right, guys, we're going to get off your fucking radio now. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Bye. Bye-bye. pages called wow. it that's gonna be it's, I'm, it's not even close to done balls yes. sweet mother of fuck dear lord yeah just like non-stop swearing yeah so swearing. all swearing all the time amazing balls